The hospital Celtics roll into Cleveland and put themselves in a position to win the game. Grant Williams emphatically declares he's going to make the game-winning free throws. He did not. So the vibes are down here in B-Town where we're going to talk all about it, going to vent a little bit here, but then we'll shift a bit, restore the vibes, and talk about the road back to that early season form for the Celtics. All of that next on First to the Floor. First to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice the body. Welcome in to another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Joining me as he has many times before from Newcastle, Australia, home of Silverchair, it is Jackson Bauer. Jackson, how you doing, sir? I've been better, Ben. I've been I've been much better. Much like Daniel Johns has been better. Uh, <laughs> well done. For those of you who know Silverchair is. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to I'm happy to get here and uh, do a bit of venting, do a bit of uh, uh, group therapy, and uh, hopefully we can be a bit more optimistic by the end of this show. What do you say? I think that's the plan. Yeah, we're going to turn everything around here on this very podcast. And of course, we've got the full Aussie crew tonight. Hot take, Jake Eisenberg. Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back, Jake. How are you doing, man? Doing good. We're another episode of Where's Jake? Another new (laughs) podcast background. Um, This time a little bit colder. So we got beanie on hand, tea, you know, just staying ready. He's traversing the globe. We love it. We love to see it. (laughs) Um, before we get into it, a reminder that we, we are moving to the CLNS network or we have moved and are very happy to have done so moved to the CLNS network. And as a result, we're changing podcast feeds. We're actually moving back to the OG first to the floor podcast feed. So just search first to the floor in your favorite podcast app. You will find us or on YouTube. You will find us. Uh, the link to that feed will be in the show notes below. If you're lazy, scroll down, click on that, subscribe to that feed uh, if you weren't already subbed there, that is, like if you discovered us through Celtics blog, please head over to that new feed and subscribe. The numbers suggest there has been a slight downtick in listeners, obviously, as we move off the very the much more popular Celtics blog feed. So please, if you're listening there, please head over there and subscribe. All right, let's get into it, guys. Some pre-game notes. Happy birthday, Marcus Smart. We're going to leave with the positive Marcus Smart vibes <laughs> before, we, before we pivot a little bit. 29 years old. The man, Marcus Smart, happy birthday uh, today, yesterday, by the time you're listening. Happy birthday to Jason Tatum, who turned 25 a few days ago. For this game, no Al Horford, no Rob Williams, no Jason Tatum, Blake Griffin and Mikey Moose starting in this one. Before we get into the game, guys, Jake, I'll I'll start with you because you currently look the most worried here if you're watching on YouTube. (laughs) Just exactly how worried are you about the current state of the Celtics? Hmm. I never thought that the Celtics were far and away the best team in the NBA. Hmm. Like there was not a gap between them and the Bucs. I think we just have to accept that this team does this to us between one to five times per year. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it can be once or twice and it could last a week. It could last half a season. Like last year, um, going back to the Brad Stevens era, um, I do think that these guys have earned the benefit of the doubt to perform when it comes to the playoffs. You obviously want to be peaking at the right time, and this feels like eerily similar to the first half of last year, like even as similar as like the Knicks game themselves, right? Double overtime, um, RJ Barrett at this time was Emmanuel quickly, just, can't, just cannot close these games for some reason. But even in the midst of that, like the Utah game that they lost when Utah made like 33s, it felt always felt like a really good team was in there. And we know for a fact that one of the best teams in the NBA is in there from the second half of last year all the way through the playoffs, the first two months of the season. We beat the Sixers, we beat the Cavs like literally two games ago. Like yeah. they are in there. It's just whether or not you think these warts, are, they're going to pop up in the playoffs. Like, I think at this point, we just have to accept there's going to be between one and two and maybe three games per series where they like just, they like, they, lo- they lose it. Game, game three against Milwaukee, game three against Miami, game four against the, the Warriors. Um, it's just, can they survive one or two bad games in the playoffs per series? I tend to think they can because the Bucks are good for two terrible games per series as well. Offense will fall apart. Sixers are good for 
at least two between sulky and beat and concussion. Two quarters, you mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> like how many? And then um, the Cavs not worried about. We seem to play them really well outside of the Knicks, who seem to be just like the perfect team. Um, all the other teams have real flaws as well. Yeah, avoid the mm. Knicks at all costs. And you're right, they yeah. are in there somewhere. We've just got to dig through it and find them in the mud. Jackson, you know, to what degree are you concerned or worried about the current state of the Celtics? Uh, long story short, I right now am a five out of 10, okay. which doesn't sound much. Um, <laughs> we've definitely seen some very concerning habits uh, from this team in the very recent past. I still have reservations about Joe Mazzulla, his rotations, his overall game plan. Um, I think we're moving away from the defensive identity that we seem to build that historic offense, offense off last season. That seems to be gone. Um, so, look, it, it would be higher, but I don't want to get too positive just yet. I know we'll save that for the back end, but all, I was, all I'm going to say is, man, I don't think you can really justify anything over like a 7 out of 10 if that's your scale. Mm-hmm. We're still six weeks from the playoffs and where everyone's healthy. You know, maybe Bar, Rob Williams, Hamstring, and Dino Gallinari, who we haven't even seen yet. Everyone is still in pretty relatively good health. So, playoffs are about six weeks away. Uh, six weeks away. For some perspective, six weeks ago, we were on a nine-game win streak. We just beat the Warriors. So, a lot can change in six weeks. And I'm backing on this team that we know is in there that Jake alluded to that's come out of adversity more times than I can count, I am still holding on hope. And I still do believe that that team is going to show up and is going to peak at the right time. Um, I'm not seeing any great evidence of it right now. But as I said, it's still six weeks away. So I'm okay for now. Yeah. How about I'd, you, Ben? I'd say I'm a six. And it's only to, mm-hmm. to elevate it by, by one number from yourself, Jackson, not to try and best you in any way or anything like I'll that. Take not, not that being like more worried is besting anyone anyway, but just the timing of it, just that we're on this sort of downhill slope towards the playoffs. Last year, as much as the beginning of the season sucked, man, it was good to be peaking as we're heading into the playoffs. Like those were some good feels. And now panicking a little bit, like fingernails along the, the wall as I'm like being dragged down to the basement, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. I don't know why that analogy just popped into my head. That's how I feel. That's um, scary. I, that is scary. It's not that I, bad. I'm going to have to cut that. Uh, yeah. But just the, the timing of, of the, the slump here is concerning. But, you know, like you said, both of you, we know so much about this team because doing this pod five years, they've been like a focal point of our lives for so long. We know all the little nooks and crannies. We know all the little traits. Like, no NBA team is perfect. Like, the Bucs are a great team. They give up a lot of corner threes. The Celtics are a great team. Currently, they're giving up, for example, a lot of dribble drive penetration to folks like Emmanuel Quickly. You know, these things are happening. The, the Celtics are not playing at their best right now. But they have shown us, even in this recent stretch, periods and examples of their best basketball, like the end of the Knicks game where they turned up you know, the volume defensively. They turned it up to 11, played two minutes of amazing defensive basketball and forced overtime before ultimately shitting the bed. Uh, and again, against the Cavs today, which we're about to get into, some serious bed shitting there by one Grant Williams at the free throw line as I give you guys a number of timestamps to write down. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm so, on it. I am worried. Nice. A lot of my worry has to do with the, the timing of the slump and not so much the, uh, I guess, the um, magnitude of the slump because we've seen it all before. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think we're coming from the same, yeah, we're, we're coming from the same path here, but I don't know. It's just like, even though we've seen the trends start to go down and sometimes it feels like it's going down quite violently, I just think, I, I just still think there's plenty of time to turn it around, even if like recent history suggests that. We're, we're on that downward trajectory, I still think we're able to turn it up. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously different situation. We don't have the same pedigree, but the Warriors last year totally caught lightning in a bottle. Like they l- truly did not peak until the conference finals against the Mavs. Like mm. they, was, they, had, they got blown out by like 40 uh, against the Grizzlies. They had the whoop that trick game with Draymond dancing. <laughs> then Jar goes down. And, like, if he doesn't go down, he was dropping, like, 40 a game against them. Mm-hmm. And then they get the Mavs, who, like, they're just custom, like, designed to beat. And just, like, boom, they're off. Um, lucky for us, you know, like, we got the peaking Warriors. But, like, all <laughs> it takes 
all it takes is a week. Like all it takes is one series. Like if we get the, like as bad as it would be to maybe get the heat, like maybe we need like a tough first round opponent to just like, to really, like if we get the Nets, for example, of course, what are we going to do? Take them lightly. What did we not do last year? We had Kevin Durant and mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum played maybe mm-hmm. the best wing defense um, since peak Kawhi Leonard. Like maybe that's that's what it takes um, is a series like that. The doldrums of the NBA season, et cetera, like coming out of the All-Star break, I mean like our Slack channel was we were buzzing. We were like, this is what we needed. We needed the break. JT hit 10 threes. We were all so excited. And it has not been why were we excited? That was a terrible, terrible feeling. Terrible idea. <laughs> um, what is wrong but with like, us? <laughs> it's okay. You know, um, plenty of time to, to turn it around. Um, and all seriously, all it takes is, is a week and we know that it's in there. So um, just hold on. Don't let him take mm. you down to the basement, Ben. Yeah, you're so right. Day to day, it is hard. I, I've, it, listeners no out there, you know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about, but you're, you are absolutely right. Zoom out, big picture view. If, you've, we'll, we'll if just, you haven't um, watched the playback stream with us, which we do for some Celtics games, huh. Ben's, watch Ben's face as we watch one of these leads evaporate. It's just that analogy in facial expressions. It's just <laughs> grabbing, his, grabbing his head. Not that yeah. I'm not also upset, but it's, it's glorious. Yeah, it's probably gotta, body horror. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta yeah. fire the playback back up for the Bucks game on the thirtieth of March. Like, I don't know what my work or life schedule looks like for them. That's how organized I am. I have no idea what what's coming up for me. Like, what less than a month away? But <laughs> gotta take some time off. Gotta get on playback for that because that's gonna be a hugely important game, oh. especially if we do Friday. turn it around in the Perfect. short game. Awesome. Yeah, no one works nice. on Friday, not in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Now, look, we do have to touch on the Cavs game very quickly. I don't think anyone. Right. Any Celtics fans currently really want to deep dive into any recent games, particularly today's one. I actually thought that the Celtics looked like pretty good for the majority of this game, but unfortunately, another blown lead. Although you could mm. potentially, or very much with certainty, attribute fatigue to that blown lead. Jackson, just like, big picture, what are your overall takeaways from, from the Cavs game today? Yeah, man. Look, I don't know. I'm not sure whether it's it, it's a fatigue thing. Potentially, maybe it's an attitude thing, um, I've, which I'll elaborate on a little bit later. But I think if you just want to boil it down to this game in particular and in the, in the microcosm of maybe the fourth quarter, I think we just got out-hustled. The, the Cavs have this guy named Lamar Stevens, who I've never heard of, which is no knock on the guy. I haven't heard of a lot of people on this earth, but <laughs> Lamar Stevens, he comes on. He seems to just be out-hustling, out-fighting everyone. He's hitting, he's hitting shots. He's getting rebounds. And he was just that spark plug that the Cavs needed to get to get back into the game and I think we're probably going to elaborate more on blown leads I think the the Nets game that was a, that was an egregious blown lead but I even have theories as to why you know that went the way that it did that I find understandable the Knicks game I think we were up like 11 or 12 at one stage and then that ended up then we found ourselves down 10 I think we're down 7 with like a minute to go managed to pull that one out um but <sighs> The blown lead thing tonight, I think, was completely justifiable because you're right, Ben, that the fatigue plays a role. Uh, playing on the road plays a role. The Cavs are a good team that have seemed to have had our number. Like, even in the game that we beat them, like, last week, they were not that far away from sending it to overtime again. So, there's probably some matchup stuff there that's just a little bit icky for us. Um, but I think it's completely understandable. I think most teams, if you put them in a similar situation... Um, regardless of form, I think you would find that they would, they too would probably give up a lead and, and find themselves in a knife fight in overtime. So uh, I, I think, it, having said all that, I think it probably just comes down to you know I, I think this is a, and this is taking out of context the kind of week that we've had and the, since the the kind of form we've been in since All Star break. I just think this is a, a kind of a, a, a loss that you have on the road that tends to happen against a good team. I don't think it in itself is worth panicking about. It's, it's when you zoom back on the recent picture that it becomes a little bit more uh, concerning. And if, you, if you, you, you look for games like this to sort of like you want them to right the ship, you want them to get back on track. And when it follows a similar pattern, you, you find yourself thinking, oh, my God, like there's something just totally snake bitten about this team, which might be the case. But I think this game itself, it's completely understandable the way that it, the way the wheels fell off. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I think if you just, <laughs> no. if yeah, don't, if you are going to zoom out, zoom all the way out. Because if you zoom mm. out only for like the last week, 
that's not as bad. But if you zoom all the way back out to January 2022 or the beginning of the season, things don't look so bad. It's just, yeah, it's like the, the sample size of them being not that good is larger than you would want. But in this specific context, you're right, Jackson. Like they played a double OT game last night. I, cannot, I could not mm. believe how much energy Jalen played with. The fact that he fell apart with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, I think oh, is very dude. explainable. He was gassed. So yeah. gassed. Yeah. And no one else seemed to, like, yeah. He, and he had like that one three where he just kind of flicked it. Uh, I've seen him make shots like that before, but you knew it wasn't going in. Um, mm. He was gassed. Of course, though, he played 40, 45 minutes, which means he played 40 without the overtime. Um, and honestly, was maybe, like, this is an elite Jalen Brown game. Like, Totally. He, he was almost very had a triple-double. Triple. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, he, like some of the best decision-making he was making, I thought he was playing good defense, getting on the boards, obviously, attacking the paint, um, doing it all. Um, and, like, on, like again, you, you can do both. Look at the context of this game. This can be very encouraging. Like, when you think about the playoffs, this guy that we saw for three and a half quarters, he's a problem. Oh, as yeah. a number two in the play mm. in the playoffs, and then it comes back to us trusting that they will figure it out enough um, to be to be a problem. Um, it's just <sighs> Lamar Stevens, man, just box him out literally once, <laughs> literally one time, um, and it was on a bunch of guys. It was on Grant. It was on Brogdon. I thought missed a bunch of rebounds, mm-hmm. um, and Grant was yelling at him, and I was like, right message, wrong messenger. It was it was just rough all all around. Initially, the rebounding battle was really, yes. I don't want to say in our favor, but just surprisingly even given that our bigs were like Cornette, Muscala, and Blake Griffin. Like, we're missing our hmm. entire front court in this game. Going up against Jarrett Allen, you know, Mobley, like, incredible yeah. front court there for the Cavs. And like, totally held our own. And then like, from halfway through the third quarter onwards, it really began to slide. And that that's winning time. And unfortunately, you give up that many extra possessions in the the back end of the game like if it's close like you're probably going to lose unfortunately but yeah Jalen yeah. Brown was awesome the neurotic Celtics fan will say like that's proof to Jalen that like he needs his own team because he was incredible no. on his own but uh yeah no I, I agree with you but um you know I've got to cover that angle for, for the neurotic Celtics fans out there myself <laughs> included of which we have many yeah <laughs> no, I, that, we love I think- you all the same yeah, to to assuage your concern there, I think Jalen reflection should be: I'm amazing, but I need Jason to close that out. Totally. I yes. Don't, I don't have 45 minutes of being Luca in me, so I think that's I think that's that's fine, Ben. You don't have to worry too much. I think the rebounding battle was 21-21 in the first half, mm-hmm. and then the fourth quarter alone, 19-11. Yeah. And that's essentially the disparity because I think they were, they were they were six yeah. overall better off of us through the game. So yeah, that, that's basically the game right there. And you're right, missing the entire front court against, you know, when you think of the Cavs and like as good as Garland and Mitchell are, like I think Mobley and I think Jared Allen, and those are like two massive players that, you know, not only can score, but, you know, obviously get a, a buttload of rebounds. So I, I think, I th- like I said, I, it's so frustrating, <laughs> but I just, I can't help but feel like this loss out of all the ones we've had so far is is the one to be least concerned about considering the injuries, considering the opponent, and also considering the Cavs were before the overtime day, 6-0 and in overtime, now 7-0 and and 3-0 and against us. So as soon as it went to overtime, it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall oh, yeah. to a degree. Um, it's just tough. It's just a tough loss, man. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I want to get to the Grant. I was going to say, how have we not come to Grant yet? But just quickly, the Celtics, they shot over 50% from three in the first half. They ended the game shooting 33% from three. So I don't have the percentage stat for the second half. Suffice to say, it was significantly less than 50%. I think think we were 12 or 14 made threes in the first half. And I think we finished with 16. Yeah. So three for for 19. In the Three for nineteen. The, the ball movement was like the ball was fizzing around early oh, in the yeah. game. Transition mm. defense, which we'll get to later, as far as like defects that are hindering this team, like that was quite good in this game. Again, in mm. the first two and a half quarters, there was a lot. Like there was just a lot more tenacity about the team, and I know that's kind of like a um, like a badge that the hospital Celtics wear on their sleeve. Like we're, we're down one, two, three guys. Like 
let's dial everything up. But it was really good to see because that, that's been something that the team has been lacking significantly in these poor performances, particularly since the All-Star game. Should we just get to the Grant free throws? I think I've, I think we've covered everything. Like, there's, a, there's a lot to get to. Like Marcus Smart Dude. had some very poor decision-making uh, moments. Oh, he's, he's on the list. Yeah, yeah, he's on the list. <laughs> I'll save us a timestamp there and just call it the list. Uh, Grant Williams. I'm going to make both of them. He did not. Who, who wants to take this one? Who, ha- who has the best rant, like, cocked and ready to go? Um, I actually... I, you know, you, you go, after you, you go, go. After you. Uh, you sure? right, I actually... You, you had to... You ha- I, don't, I don't mind the saying. I like I'm going to make both. What was he supposed to yeah. say? Yeah. I was, I was like, like he's making them. Your feet and, like, pretend it's not happening? Yeah. You yeah. Gotta, you just ignore talk. him? Yeah. Like, I think you have to. Like... That's an athlete move. You have to you have to chirp back. Otherwise, you're gonna. Obviously, he was nervous regardless. Um, but yeah, as soon as he front clanked that first one, uh, you just kind of saw Grant's career flash before everybody's eyes. He was just like, <laughs> "Oh no, this this is all we have to do." You missed a 50, 40, 90 from last season, um, and then you know. So this game plus the Bucks game where we was the hospital Celtics, where he had the wide open, wide-ish open three, which he pump faked on Giannis to win, like have a shot to win it and then dribbles it off his foot. Now this one, the New York game was just a disaster, mm-hmm. mm. like abject disaster, not fully on him. He played 44 minutes. That's on Joe as well, who we'll get to also on the list. But Grant like had a fantastic first half. He was yes. like, okay, launching four four. like deep, deep, deep above the break threes, like just firing offensive rebounding. He stayed in front of Garland. Um, and then he just, Second half fell apart. The lack of consistency with for Grant right now. Um, he's obviously become basically the whipping boy for Celtics fans on Twitter. Um, kind of fairly in a way. Like he he's the one asking for 18, 20 million. Yeah. And like right now he's gonna be lucky to get like 10. Uh, yeah. It's been mm. it's been a rough go for Grant. And the problem is we need we we need Grant, like specifically for the Bucks matchup. He's at one of like you want to take the load off Al and Jason and everyone else from guarding Giannis over and over and over again. Um, you you want to try and get his confidence back. It yeah. could be a it could be a moment. It could be could be a positive. It like, could be a bad moment. If this creates his confidence, like to, <laughs> rising to miss, from the ashes, to miss two free throws in that situation, like how like that's not a confidence builder. Like we're we're trying no. to build the guy's confidence, and this. Uh, yeah, it's just shattered it. I don't know, Jackson, have you got anything you want to add? Yeah, there? it was brutal. Okay, brutal for Grant so Williams. Grant Williams is an 83% free throw shooter this season, which is good enough for fourth on the team if you've had over one attempt per game. So Luke Cornett has to fall off that list. Um, I think he's the fifth. I think, I think he's fifth in this team for free throw attempts. Which at less than two is 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 you know is what it is. I don't know what it's like with other teams, but you know those are those are the numbers. Um, we we talk about like where it went wrong, how to take away from the game. Like obviously there is so much that goes into a game other than you know a pair of free throws or like one shot. But unfortunately, we lost this game because Grant didn't make his free throws. It's as simple as that. He is, he's got to make he's got to make one of those. Cavs don't have a timeout unless they pull a Joel Embiid. And they get it off quicker. Um, that that that's a win. And when we're not sitting here, sort of like you know, asking ourselves, you know, how, how close we are to you know, like just jumping off the edge of you know our hopes of of the season. Instead, we're sitting here going like, man, we needed that. That was a gutsy win. And just basketball gutsy, is just yeah. such a <laughs> it's such a game of fine margins, man. And like we like Grant has gone from you know what was going to be like, yes, Grant is back game. Like you said, eighty uh, percent shooting from three. You know decent, you know, all-round performance in, you know, in the hospital Celtics lineup to this moment that, you know, even though it didn't lose us the game, it sent us to overtime. Like, it, we all know, like, that that was it. That was the killer. So, yeah, I, I, I feel for the guy before I came on. My girlfriend said, please don't go hard on Grant Williams. He tries his best because she's she's a little bit versed in what's enough. going on on Celtics Twitter be better. and whatever. <laughs> he does have to be better. But, like, I'll, I'll say this. His confidence is going to be very – is going to be down at the moment. He's going to be in a very, very tough place. I think this team has his back. I don't think anyone is just like, you know, throwing his his stuff all over the locker room and just being like, man, like 
you 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 I won't swear because I know we we can't. But you know what I mean. Like I think the team is going to have his back, and I know it's like you know wishful thinking at this stage, but. You know, all you've got to get, you just it just takes one game. If we get another grand uh, game seven grand performance, it doesn't even have to be game seven. It can be like you know game one of round one, or it could be against the Bucks on the thirtieth, or you know one game like that, and all of a sudden, you know that confidence can come back. Will it come back after something like this? I don't know, but um, I, I I feel for I can't be too upset with him. Even though I was about three hours ago, I was I was livid. I've calmed down a little <laughs> bit now, and I, I I feel a little bit sorry for him because I feel like someone at least has to be sorry for it rather than wanting him kicked off the team. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, we've had those these conversations like who will replace Al Horford, and Grant Williams's name is has been the name in that conversation, mm. and now it's like ugh, like that was I, always I, crazy. Like you can't replace yeah. Big Al. Like playoff Al, it would just be a different. Iteration. They just have to re like those resources have to you know turn into a different kind yeah. of part of the team. But and then we've got the like you say, you know they have to rally around him, and I'm sure they will. Like they've been around, mm. they've lost enough dumb games between. Jason's not there today, but he can relate. Marcus, I mean, we can go. We can go through a lot of Marcus brain explosions over the years. Today he had one. From today, that, yeah. <laughs> that break, yeah. which we're going to get to. Um, the end of the Knicks game, which is where this worries me as far as like the chemistry thing. I think it'll be fine because I think the leadership will get together. Leadership meaning Jalen, Jason, Marcus, Al, even Malcolm to an extent just because he's such a cerebral president. Um, Brugger. The end of the Knicks game mm-hmm. where it's like the Joe Mazzola timeout thing and Tatum's like waving to Grant calling the horns set and Grant just got off, got no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then Tatum's yelling at him on the way back to the bench. And it's like, yeah. And I saw a funny tweet on Twitter today. It's like, you know, you, you see the tweet from Tatum saying, big shot, Derek. And then you just know he was watching the game and he's going to be sitting there in his bedroom being like. <laughs> no Grant. tweet. No tweet Grant. of the Grant situation. I mean, I, we still love you, Grant. To a same tweet. This is a private message to Grant after that one, I think. Nothing yeah. public. <laughs> any, any final like takeaways that you've just been holding on to read the Cavs game that you need to fire off before we move on? Because we, we need to get onto the airing of grievances here, fellas. Yeah. Just just on the, the last word on Grant Williams. I understand there is a, a vast gulf in ability, talent, uh, overall basketballness from Jalen Brown to Grant Williams. But Jalen Brown missed two clutch free throws in overtime against the Knicks about a month ago, and that cost us the game. He had an and one opportunity to tie the game against the Lakers the very next game. Nailed it. Okay. It's not like Grant can't redeem himself. Might not be from the free throw line. Might not be by shooting threes. Might just be a good, gritty defensive performance, whether it gets the Blazers in our next game or or against the Bucs on the 3rd of March, whatever. I believe Grant can come back from this. He's really going to have to work hard and he's going to have to, you know, give it his all. But like, man, I'm not abandoning Grant Williams yet. I'm going to keep my Grant Williams stock. And if we are sitting here in about eight weeks time after first round exit because Grant Williams was unplayable, I'll change my opinion then. For now, I'm still riding with him. Yeah, yeah. I, we've got no choice. We've got to, we've got to ride we've with got the guy. No choice. Yeah. We've got no choice. <laughs> well, I don't know. You've got a lot of good players on this team. Yeah. yeah. If he falls apart, Gil. they'll still be okay. Love Gil. I love his dad. Um, I, I love him too. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> Friend of the podcast. No, yeah. I, I do love Grant Williams. And look, there's a lot more that we could have gotten to, a lot more notes that I'm just looking at here that we could get to, but we've got to move on for time. But if you've got any other takeaway thoughts from the Cavs game or even the Knicks game, hit us up in the comments here on YouTube. Hit us up on at first to the floor on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on this game. But in the meantime... We need to move on to the airing of grievances. Guys, like, let's just let it all out here. Like, what's wrong with this team? And then subsequently, we'll move on to, like, how can we fix these negative traits? So, I'll start, and we're just going to do an around the room. Blowing leads, which I think is the obvious starting point. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into blowing those leads, but just the fact that we continue to do that. Uh, so the tweet from, from Greeny after this game, uh, a 28-point lead a 14-point lead and a 15-point lead referring to the last three games is what has been given up. The 28-point lead, I think, is probably the one that stings the most. But as Mm. we continue to do this, they, in a way, 
sting a little bit more each time. That uh, is unfortunately new. Like we, we've seen them do it before in the the Tatum Brown era, but sequentially like this is is particularly concerning. And again, I mentioned the timing moving in towards the postseason. Um, that's the that's the grievance I'm airing. You guys can add to that, or you can just you can chime in with your with your new grievance, and we'll we'll get to how these can be resolved in the next segment. It's not. Um, it's not good, Bob. The, the blowing of the leads, like no. <laughs> the Miami game, game seven, like the almost abject disaster always comes to mind whenever we blow a lead. I'm like, mm. what? It's just they they just taste it. They taste victory. And they just, they just let go, and I, and they cannot regain the rope. I don't know if it. I don't know what, how you fix it, right? Like it's in them. It's in them. It's just will it will it cost them a title? Like you look at the Bucks series, they just kind of won. Like the games that they won, they kind of just blew them out. Outside of Game Four, I think the Al Horford explosion. Mm. Um. Similar to the Warriors series, like they kind of the games that they do win, they just kind of win going away, which actually happens in the playoffs more than you kind of think. Usually, like two or only two or three games come down to it, and a lot of the time it's like double digit wins. So, like, just win every game by double digits um, seems like yeah. a good plan. Yeah, <laughs> you just do that, <laughs> you morons. <laughs> um, just do that. Yeah, look, the, the the blowing lead stuff is. It's, it's hard to swallow because it, it's like it's obviously you hate losing, but let's just let's go back to the Pacers game a few months ago where we were down thirty. Now mm. we lost that game, but we pulled that all the way back to I think about six or four points, and they just mm-hmm. kept hitting some some ridiculous like threes in the clutch to keep us at bay. I remember feeling way better at the end of that game, knowing that we had a comeback in us than I did after, say, the Lakers game when we were up 17 and then proceeded to give up a, I think it was a 30 point to five mm. run. A bad which, win. Yeah, 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 which we were 0.01% chance of winning. Luckily for us, AD and LeBron James on high minutes, uh, those guys are no Emmanuel quickly and they were just absolutely blowing chunks at the end of that game, and we, we just had enough to, to, to wrestle that back. So even though these blown leads currently are bad, like I think we're being a little bit – I think we're being held to recency bias a little bit here, and, and like obviously the Heat game comes to mind. Game five of the Bucs, I think we were up like seven points with a few minutes to go and end up losing that horribly. But there are just as many examples of us winning tight games and digging ourselves out of holes – I can't name them specifically. No, <laughs> but we know the they're there. Here. We know they're there. Like we we just beat the Sixers in a very clutch manner um a, a couple of weeks ago. Um the Lakers game I mentioned, um the last I know it was a loss, but like, you know, we were down seven to the Knicks and then managed to get that back to 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 overtime. So look, I don't think it's it's so much. I don't know how you cure blowing leads other than just like concentrate the whole time, which you would assume they have. But I have another theory. This is the grievance I want to wear. I think it's I think it obviously leads into the blowing leads. I think it's just an attitude thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at teams like LeBron James's Cavs, who are 500 until February, and then he's like, "All right, guys, now we're serious." And then they proceed to go like you know 25 and five to to, to into the into the um, into the playoffs. Plenty of examples of champion teams doing this. I think that's what this team is is stuck with at the moment. It's super annoying because they haven't actually won anything. But I honestly believe that when we beat the Golden State Warriors on the 19th of January, which is six weeks ago, I keep coming back to that six weeks thing. Um, I think they all just collectively like took a big sigh and went, ah, we, we did, did it. it. We got this. <laughs> get to the playoffs. Get there healthy. We're good. And I just don't think that's the attitude to have. I think you need to have that hunger. You still need to remain competitive throughout. And maybe it's them thinking back to how hard they had to play leading into the playoffs to get themselves out of the rut that they they or the hole that they dug for themselves in in the first half of the season. Now it's the inverse problem. Now they've got the cushion. Now they can sort of take their foot off the gas a little bit. And I think they've all just got their eyes on game one, round one, and then they go from there. I don't agree with it. I think it's terrible because we could have had the one seed. That one seed is now gone forever. We could end up with the four seed if we don't turn it around quickly. But I honestly think 
after <laughs> they beat the Warriors. We're 11 and 9 since then. I honestly think they have just decided, you know what, we're good until the playoffs start. And I wish they didn't. I, th- I think that's a pretty, pretty fair assessment. Yeah, they, they like to, to take their foot off the gas. Um, I, I don't think we're in danger of falling to the four seed just because of the schedule lightening up. Um, and I was talking to my dad today. It's like we could easily end up the three seed. And I'm like, I actually don't care so much about the seed that we are as long as we're playing good basketball going in. But if we're playing good basketball going yeah. in, that means we're going to be the two seed, maybe mm-hmm. even the one seed still. Like the schedule is very easy, he yeah. says. Um, That's the positive wood. note that we're going to end on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, Any major like, grievances that you want to air, Jake? Because, I mean, there, there's got to be something in there, surely. It's been, it's been a rough couple of couple well, of weeks here. Are we going to do... Can I do Marcus? Yeah, are we absolutely. saving that? No, no, by, by all means. Marcus. Air that grievance. Ma- Marcus, I love you. I love you and I trust you. But gee whiz, man. You've got to rein that in, rein it in. Like, he's just... We look. He's a wild. He's a wild. He's a, a like a wild horse. You got to you know, break him in. He's a wolf, <laughs> leader of the wolf pack. He's a grizzly bear. He's all kinds of wild animals. Like, and we love that about him. <laughs> but right now, he's playing like unbridled, just unbridled, not controlled. Um, you like Wolverine, kind of before he joins X Men. Like, there's just he's got to. We got to just get some leadership and direction into his life again because- I think you just broke the record for the most animal references on this podcast <laughs> yeah, in a 30-second yeah. spell. Absolutely. And I'm all for it. I thought you were going to say like a stallion, an untamed stallion. Marcus Smart is, <laughs> is you know, like apex predator, you know, name it, name it. Um, crocodile, Cray White, but he's better as an orca when he's working as a team. You know, some of the best, you know, coordinated animal animals in this world, orcas, killer whales. He's got to get back to being a killer whale as opposed to being a great white shark. Um, I think you can sum it up almost with just the field goal attempts. He's taking 11 point, what does he do it? 11.6 field goal attempts post-injury. Pre-injury, he was taking 9.5. Doesn't sound like a lot. But that's up 19%, mm-hmm. which is, that's a lot. Like that's a huge jump. Yeah. Um, like he was playing the best basketball of his career pre-injury going back to last season. Like for, I honestly thought like, you know, he wouldn't, he would never have the numbers for it, but like how well he was playing. I thought he was like a fringe all-star deserved to have, you know, some, some recognition from that perspective. But since he's come back, he's pressing, he's taken not like today, the ill-advised sh- three-pointer off the re- off the offensive rebound with like 30 seconds left on the clock. Disaster. Just a disaster. Yeah, he's not the maestro anymore. Marcus Smart, the maestro, yeah. is no longer conducting the orchestra. And last year, he had the best season of his career. This year, this very season, he had the best stretch of his career. And looking at the online discourse, you know, it's like that's completely forgotten by the Celtics online hive mind. And I know they're not the most reliable source to look at for like taking the pulse of the team. <laughs> Very reactive. But like before the injury this year, Smart was absolutely the best version of Marcus Smart we have ever observed as Celtics fans. He was incredible. Mm. So we do have to allow him some time to get back. And I'm I'm kind of accidentally traversing into like why everything will be okay and how we can fix the Celtics. But yeah, it's a rough stretch for uh, for Marcus Smart. Other grievances to air before we move on to how we're going to fix everything and make everything okay. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off a few here uh, for the for the sake of time, and you guys let me know uh, what you want to hang on here. Getting blown by on defense has been an issue, particularly by small dynamic guards, a la Emmanuel Quickly, Donovan Mitchell, who are guys who are going to blow by you on defense, who are good. But our perimeter defense with guys like Marcus Smart, who we just talked about, and this could be part of his slump, Derek White, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, and then the help defense that we can offer with a healthy Time Lord, everyone on the team, really. Defense was such a part of our identity last year. That's really fallen off. Lack of consistent effort, which might be the overarching factor for everything that we are talking about here as far as our, our grievances. Grant Williams being a shadow of his former self. 
uh, smart no longer maestroing that we talked about. And then Joe Mazzola's coaching, like Joe has copped a bit of flack across fans and media just for some peculiar responses to questions post-game and some odd decisions or non-decisions during the game, rotations, crunch time lineups, like Grant over Derek in the Sixers game and the Knicks game. Just some questionable mm. decisions, uh, you know, no timeouts in, in, in certain late game situations where, you know, I suppose it's one of those things where in hindsight, you'd be like, Ob- obviously that was the wrong decision. But if it goes well, you're like, what a genius. You know, what an incredible basketball mind. And it's, mm. unfortunately, they've gone wrong in every instance. And so here we are talking about it. I just, I know I went through a lot there, guys, but does anything stand out to you as far as like the, the key grievances that we are justified in hanging on to? Um, I think when you can't pinpoint one thing in particular that is like the main source of of, of the issue, I, th- I think the coach really has to be uh, like rightly or wrongly is kind of the one that takes the fall for it. And he's the one that is like, that has to answer to it. I think he's gotten better as the season has gone on. I think he's taking more today. I think he took some very like, you know, there's kind of timeouts that like most fans would want him to take, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. At least the consensus seems to be that was the right thing to do. Um, people criticize his out of out of timeout plays, which there are numerous examples of it. But hey, the one that got Al Horford a, an open three or mostly open three, which was about that far away from dropping against the Knicks, that was the right call to make. I just happen to like him as a person. I love that sort of like can't get a absolute like stun mullet poker face, can't get a read on him, um, you know, odd short answers. Um, he, he kind of is like, he reminds me of like, like just some sort of like basketball rain man. He's got like all of like the smarts, but just none of the, the, the social skills. But the funny thing of that is it, it seems that he's not so much a, a tactician and X and O's guy. He's, his main strength seems to be his relay, relatability and his ability to like, you know, get the team on side. But Come the playoffs, you're going to need a little bit more of that X's and O's now. So you're going to need to know when to like put your influence on the team. Um, we said in our Slack, well, I said in this in this in our Slack check earlier today, and I want to talk about it because I think it's a great idea. I think you should honestly just spin a wheel before the game twice. Everyone's <laughs> name is on the wheel, and whoever's name, whoever's name comes up, you sit out, and the other name you sit up, and he just goes sort it out and goes away. Because you can't deny it, we played pretty well without when we've got like a couple of stars out. Granted, it didn't. And that's not a pun, by the way. Um, granted, it granted. didn't work out for us this evening. <laughs> but I think, I, I just think he's got some methods that, you know, not everyone understands and they don't always come off. But I think there is a good, a great coaching mind in there. And I don't think Brad Stevens hires him without having enough intel on him to know that he's probably the right guy. Having said that, though, I've seen enough errors from him and I've seen enough, you know, peculiar peculiarities from him throughout the last few weeks that make me think if we come up against a better coach, a more savvy coach, i.e. an Eric Spolster or what have you in the playoffs, I think we could up end up getting out coached. Thibodeau. So my grievance is yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I don't know, man. I want it to work out for Joe Mazzula, but he's my my worry in the team was five out of ten. My worry in Mazzula is probably more like a seven. Jake, thoughts on that and then any, any other final grievances before we move on? I, yeah, look, taking the interim tag away before seeing what happens on the playoff run, you could still fire him, I guess. You just have to pay him if if it doesn't work out and it's like mm. glaringly obvious. The good news is I don't care who's coaching the Heat. No chance that team can beat us, even if it sucks for six or seven games. But outside of that, Doc Rivers, I mean, Come on, good luck. And then Bud has his flaws as well. So the plenty of Bucks fans that are out on Joe, but Joe, okay, we've done it twice now. You got away with it in the Sixers game. You played Derek over Grant. Yes. You played Grant over Derek in the Knicks game. I forget. I may have just mixed up my words, but you played Grant over no, Derek in two games: Sixers and Knicks. You survived the the Sixers one, just. The Knicks was a disaster. There was a clip going around today of Emmanuel Quickly's big day because he had a career game. Firstly, what, what a game. Like, never seen someone mm. play 55 minutes so effortlessly. But every single highlight on this video, the person who put it together must have done it purposely. Every single one, Grant was the primary defender pretty much. How do you not just go to Derek? How does Grant end up with 44 minutes? 
and Derek only gets 32. And I guess the counter, the counter I've seen online is they had Grant in there for the Randall matchup. Randall had 31 points as well. Like that wasn't working mm-hmm. out. Give me Jalen, Jason, Al on and Derek on Randall. Send doubles. But there's no Brunson out there. They're not, they're not a three point shooting team. They rotate well out of double teams, always have. It was a just disaster of a decision to keep Grant out there for as long as he did when he was giving you nothing on offense. I know he made some plays down the stretch, but like it was, it was really bad. Um, so I, so I think you have to go away, um, from Grant when it, when it comes to closing time, Derek has to be in there. Like we had Derek White's dad on this podcast and a big part of it was like, according to the advanced metrics, Derek White is an all NBA player. Absolutely. And it's like, Mm. Pretty obvious when you watch the games. Like when he's out there, almost always good things happen. Like when you go on. Well, on Derek White, like Smart is coming back from this injury situation. We talked about Smart not maestroing, and and Smart's pre-injury and post-injury numbers are, are pretty glaring, particularly around field goal attempts, and then a huge disparity in percentage. So he's shooting more, converting less. Does Derek White need to play? more than Marcus Smart while Marcus Smart recovers, Jackson? Like, do you think that's a viable option going forward? It's, um, it, I never thought I would be in favor of dropping Marcus Smart for, you know, quote unquote, an understudy or whatever. But I think in like, while Marcus sorts out whatever it is that needs to, to sort out, and, and I had some technical issues while you guys were talking about Smart, so I apologize if I'm repeating any of these, of these points here. But um, no, I'd be in favor of it. I would be in favor of it. I don't know like too much about the stats. I know Derek White has a, a better shooting percentage. I think Smart's got more assists. I think the assist to turnover ratio is significantly better for Derek over Marcus. So and and just on the eye test alone, the kind of the the kind of season that he's had, let alone the last month that Derek White has had, I think it more than justifies him starting over it over it over Marcus Smart. That is so. Yeah, I mean, I would. I again six weeks until playoffs. Like you said, the, 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 the schedule is easing up a little bit. So if there's time to experiment, if there's time to give Marcus some time off with, you know, the goal being he's 100% and he's a bit more mentally focused for the playoffs, then I'm 100% in favor of it. And Derek White, you know, is killing it, continues to kill it as a starter and as the primary ball handler and look like, you know, taking that spot off Marcus, then it should probably continue, right? Like you, you play your best players for, the, for, the, for these kind of games. And if, you know, I think Derek is like more than making a case that he earns that, st- he earns that spot. When you think about the issues of the Celtics, effort, pace, consistency on defense, Derek White like ticks every single one of those boxes. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. him out there as much as possible, especially when they're struggling. Especially when they're struggling amidst this slump. Like he is the perfect guy. He just wins. Take a charge. Like when it comes down to the wire, it's, it's going to be he gets a tip on a on an offensive rebound. He just like. All the little things, the Marcus Smart things, honestly, I think you play them together if you want to get to Rob soon as well. But like, I, I think Marcus, Derek, the Jays, and a big, like that's the lineup. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good segue. Rob's inability to stay on the court as much as we love him, Jake, is probably our final grievance here. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Because that's, you know, it's obviously been adding to the issues the, the past couple of days. Now, our number one fan, Z Gamer, has been making fun of me all season because I've been <laughs> like a mama, mama duck, a mama bear, more animals about Rob Williams' minutes. Anytime he starts to get over a certain amount, I start to get worried. And if it's a, you know, an ankle sprain or whatever, that's, more unluck, like luck. And then the hamstring though, that's, that's overuse. That's, you know, playing a lot of, a lot of basketball. And what happened in the, the games leading up to this against Cleveland, 30 minutes, New York Knicks, 29, Philadelphia, 31. And then on the fourth game, he hurts Indeed. his hamstring and you yep. can kind of go back through the basketball reference, like stuff. It's like, in the loss to Phoenix, they, he played 30. In the win against Detroit, he played 20 out, and then he misses a game. It's just like he plays 26, 32 against Memphis, and then that weird game against Milwaukee only plays 12 and misses a game. 
it's like pretty, I was actually surprised when I went through it. It was like, you can see the minutes tick up and then he misses a game. And I know he's not playing back-to-backs and they're being cautious, but it was kind of striking to me. I'm sure they're obviously all over it as far as the medical team is concerned. But like, give me 20 to 22, 24 max minutes of Rob and give me like proper Rob. Because like he even kind of said this week, listening to the Garden Report on uh, CLNS, Sharad Blakely kind of reported that- Great um, network. Great network. Great show. That's <laughs> only the best um, talent. <laughs> yeah. Like constantly bringing in good talent. Sharad reported that Rob kind of was saying that he's not going balls to the walls in order to preserve himself, which kind of- you can kind of see it. Like he's been really, he's been really good, and the defense has been good when he's been out there. But it's not the same. So it's like, give me eighteen to twenty-two minutes of Rob play single bigs, and then yeah. they play fast. Like I understand that the, the big lineups were so dominant last year. We also drove Rob's knee into the ground because Ime is like a crazy person when it comes to minutes. It's just like and other things. stop being a bitch and just like play dude and Rob's like okay well, I'm just gonna limp through the finals and now I've had two knee surgeries thanks a lot Ime. Um so I'm a firm believer like single you, you can still have some minutes against the Cavs you probably still want to do it considering the double pigs you want to probably do it a little bit against the Bucks but like a lot of the time spread everyone out get faster get get more pace like get more ball movement get more attacks to the rim like He's a non-shooter. That's yeah. That's my yeah. kind of lineup rant. Like let's let's yeah. move the ball, baby. Yeah, yeah. He's like in the Missoula ball system. Like it doesn't he doesn't seem to really fit that because it's like as far as I can tell, Missoula ball is drive kick. Everyone shoots. Right, Rob can't do that. You see, he's always got the ball like completely alone, top of the key, which is like not uncommon for bigs. In the NBA, but like you know, you you think about you know the his his peers or the guys playing next to him. Uh, Al Horford can shoot the three. Mike Muscala can shoot the three. Uh, Blake Griffin probably can't shoot the three that well, but that is pretty much what his his weapon is now because he ain't dunking over anybody. Um, I, I haven't seen Rob Williams of last season at all so far this season. It's understandable coming off the surgery. And even when you said, Jake, like he said to himself, he's not going balls to the wall. He's holding himself back for it. It's understandable. But I I couldn't tell you a real highlight alley-oop, highlight block at all. I'm sure they're there. But like I got, I got a, a Rolodex of, of moments last year um, where, where he, he, he was like, you just, you, you couldn't take your eyes off Rob because he just was everything defensively. He was handling it. Offensive, the lob threat, it was always there. Um, I, I just, I haven't seen that so far this season. I hope it's, I hope he's saving it and I hope it, 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 it peaks, which we've said a few times, like right before the playoffs and in the playoffs. But, um, I, I just, I, yeah, I, I don't think he's, he's fully recovered or he's, he's fully healthy. Um, in the Cavs game, the Cavs game we played at home, uh, I, I guess one or two games before he got injured, he was like crucial in that game as far as securing rebounds on both ends. And there were a few long lobs thrown to him. I think one of them he he botched on the throwdown, but like the the elevation was there. That to me was one of the the, the better Rob games this season. And at the time, you're like awesome time lord. He's ramping up. Here we go, post All Star break. Like he's starting to look like himself. And then unfortunately the injury, but like the, it was starting to show a little bit. And I wonder if any other player, mild hamstring strain, they're back a few games later, but with Rob Williams, Jake, like you said, they're all over it from a medical standpoint. Seven to 10 days, like maximum window for return based on a minor injury because like we just want to prolong Robert Williams heading into the heading into the playoffs. So he, he was starting to look a little bit like himself. And even when he wasn't, just what he offered the team from a rebounding perspective and a rim mm. defense perspective, just, even just reputationally, Deterrent. I'm not going yeah. to drive at the rim because Robert Williams is there. You know, th- that was a factor as well. So just having him out there, regardless of, you know, him being at 100%, I think is, is really important. So um, rest up, Rob. We need you. Yeah, 70% version of Rob's still a really good player. But mm, when absolutely. you talk about wanting to win a title, who like I don't I think even asking for a hundred percent Rob is probably unfair. Like just all we need is ninety percent. It's all we need. That's mm. the kind of that's the kind of player he is. He's such a freak. Like he's so good at this game. And it's 
it's it must suck for him as well and the coaching staff and everybody just because everybody knows like what they've got to just to not be able to like capture it and hold on to it for long enough must be really frustrating for mostly for Rob I'm guessing yeah because as sad as it is he's probably not going to have a very long career so you need to make like these years when his knee still is together for the most part uh, count because you know call me pessimist I just I don't see him playing like that when he's 29 30 you know what i mean yeah that's why i gotta keep the minutes down yeah Yeah. and starts jacking threes potentially um (laughs) so before we move on we're going to get to the upcoming schedule and we're we're closing in on the one hour mark so we're going to be very quick here but almost more importantly than any of the grievances are how are we going to solve these problems guys so a quick around the room on what the celtics need to do to solve these problems I'll I'll start first because I really only have one major point and you know smooth brain take but just apply a consistent level of effort. We've talked about it already on this podcast on on prior podcast. We've seen like what the Celtics need to do to be good. We know what the good Celtics look like and we've seen pockets of it even as recently as this Cavs game and the Knicks game as well. If we know what that looks like, they absolutely know what that looks like. Hopefully they understand the difference between where they're at now and what it looks like to apply that at a consistent level, even in a sort of 80 to 90% success rate. That that really is what's needed here to just apply that more consistently going forward. The recipe is known. It's documented. It's sitting in the kitchen on the little open book stand thing. It's understood. We just need to go out there and, and cook that on a, on a regular basis. Um, Jake, you know, you're head in hands right now. Is is that too simple of an approach or how else do you think these issues no, can be resolved? Because you're right. Topics? Like, and I'm just thinking about the conversations they're having. Like, I'm sure they're having these conversations, right? Like, I'm sure they had this conversation before the Knicks game and before the Cavs game. And we're going to have it t- today and can have it before the Portland game. It's just how do they go out and, and do it. Do it. Um, yeah. Like what I, what I was thinking is like, you know, commit to your deeper rotation for most of these games. We want to be rested and healthy. That is by far the most important thing. It's like we've been loading everybody up on these minutes out of the All-Star break and losing in overtime. Like once the overtime starts, like you, you can't like, you know, put in Derek or whatever it is, like tell Tatum and Jalen, like you, unless we go to overtime, you, it's 36 minutes. Like that's the, it should be lower than that. It's 36 minutes. Al, it's 28. Rob, it's 22. Mascala, you're pl- like, everyone needs to be playing. They, they have a deep freaking team. Like it's enough to like have enough people play where they don't go overboard on the minutes. Um, and it's about playing the right way versus the wins and losses. Like if they lose and you're like, if this was the playoffs, Tatum would have played an extra three or four minutes and with Jalen and they'd probably win the game. But when they were out there, they played the right way. That's fine. But it's like loading them up with 45 minutes while they're pooping all over themselves. It's not good for anyone. Um, and then, and then, okay. One, cause I know Brad's talked about you, you want to load, you do want to have some of these games where they're playing high forties to prepare for the playoffs. So it's like, okay, three games in a row we're doing, controlled minutes this game's coming up we're gonna if if it's close we're gonna ramp we're gonna ramp you closer to 40 like that should be the plan but that's Mm -hmm. why i have my hand in my head my head's in my hand i'm sure they've had these conversations i'm sure they've thought about it this is the 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 flu medications jump on my brain Uh, like I'm, I'm, i'm sure i'm sure they've had that's why i'm like i'm sure they've had these conversations but like just do it just please lord so that's yeah Jackson. Yeah. Jackson, yeah. How, how would you fix um, the situation? I'll be quick. Focus on the details, focus on execution, take advantage of this pretty relatively soft schedule that we've got to finish the season. I think if you can hit, if you can get some momentum, you can peak at the right time, even if you were to lose what well, we got left, 15 games, even if we lose like our next six and that becomes what, a nine in a row slide. We win the next nine going into the playoffs. None of this crap for the last two, three games, month, however you want to frame it, none of it matters. All right? Focus on the details, focus on execution, 
take take care of business with this easy schedule, peak at the right time, confidence will be back. They know how to execute in the playoffs. I still believe in them. I'm sure they all still believe in themselves. I think that's how you do it. Mate, you were going to get a spot on the coaching staff with that delivery and those those yeah, words I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> I have a Quizlet account too. I've got all of the, <laughs> I've got all of the credentials. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, the upcoming schedule and that's how we're going to wrap this one up. So, And this is where, yeah, so it's a, it's a positive note to end on here and, and things start to ease in terms of schedule difficulty. So next coming up, the Blazers at home. Dame's been cooking, but the Blazers haven't been a great team all season. Then massive road trip, and I am obviously speculating here, but I would hope that a road trip, you know, post-All-Star break where the guys didn't have a lot of time together, they'll be on the road together, they'll be traveling, they'll be they'll have no choice but to get, be together for a long time. Does that help them regalvanize as a group? We've got the Hawks on the road, the Rockets, the Timberwolves, the Blazers, the Jazz, the Kings, all on the road. And I know that the Kings are like world beaters offensively right now, but... You know, it's a nice story, but I don't necessarily look at them as a threat as far as like knocking the Celtics off in any way. So I think that's it's a road trip where we're playing a lot of struggling opponents where the team can travel together, galvanize and, and sort of focus more on themselves rather than like some sort of gargantuan opponent more than themselves, if that makes sense. I, I really think that this road trip is really well-timed and that the caliber of opponents are such that it puts us in a good position to rediscover ourselves. Am I crazy, Jake? Or yeah. No, no. What do you think? Look, and again, I think it's hard to get out of. You know, you, you we're we're all following the Celtics so closely, and like we're we're living and dying by Grant Williams free throws. But like, you know, the Pacers take everybody to the brink. They did it to the feel it to Philly today. Um, the Sixers just beat the Bucks. Like, you know. One of the best teams in the NBA. The Knicks are the hottest team in the NBA, nine in a row. The Cavs, one of the best teams in the league. Like the Nets loss is just disgusting. Um, but even they've been like, we kind of revived their season. Um, mm-hmm. And McCall Bridges is now like Kevin Durant. Yeah. But mm-hmm. give um, us a bad team. Give us the Hawks. Yeah, give, like, give us the Rockets. Like, the the <laughs> schedule has been hard. The schedule has been hard out of the gate. Like, and it's been, you know, back to back here as well. So, like, you know, you kind of would, if you told us, you know, that you were three or four out of the gate here, it wouldn't be crazy to think because like some of the matchups are difficult, but um, this, this Blazers game, just if we lose, it's going to, it's going to be bad online. It's going to be bad for everybody listening to podcasts. It's going to be a great time to just go to the mountains and get away because the Blazers third game in four nights, the Celtics have also had a rough, like, you know, heavy minutes schedule here, but we're going to be at home. Blazers have been on the road, like they're on a road trip of their own, but a tough one against the Magic, tough one against someone else that I'm forgetting. And um, now the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if we lose to the Blazers, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad time. But again, can you remember like it's just one game, even if it hurts just an extra 10% every time they lose a game and they should win. Yeah. Any um, parting thoughts, Jackson? <laughs> that would be the fourth <laughs> loss in a row if we do lose to the to the Blazers. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I will do my best not to freak out if we lose to the Blazers. Um th- these teams are there's no like real bottom fears in here until you get to like the Rockets, the Spurs, etc. This this I, I we really thought this season was gonna just be a tankathon for Wembenyama. There's only really like four bad teams and there's a lot of lot of guys in the middle this is like the middle schedule that we've got coming up here so you know always it's always tough to win games in the nba um i have no doubt we'll drop at least a couple of these of these of the the next 10 um but really after the the run that we've had after the you know we're trending down i think this team is aware enough and mature enough i hope to look at themselves in the mirror and say, we got to stop messing about. we got to get it together now. And I think if you're ever going to get like a run of, you know, softballs in the NBA, I think the next one, two, three, four, Wolves can be a bit difficult. Team Wolves are good, but like we yeah. play them well. But mm. like we get the Blazers twice and the Blazers, I just like had a look. They they squeaked one out against the Pistons, squeaked one out against the Magic, and then pumped by the Hawks, pumped by the Pelicans, pumped by the Warriors. Broads. And then they're yeah. and then like 
beat the Rockets, pumped by the yeah. Kings, lost to the Wizards. Like they're three games below 500 for a reason. Mm-hmm. So like we get them twice yeah. outside of the T-Wolves and the Kings and the Bucks game. Like of those however many games, those are the only three with like good opponents. The rest of them are like yep. below 500, like a play-in team. The Pacers game is going to be like, it's going to be the first time anyone scores 200 points in a game. But like, um, like just because they, they, they play crazy fast. That'll be a fun game. But yeah, we should, it's perfectly timed for us. And if, if we just take off, go on a little run, and then beat the Bucks, clinch yes. the season series, even if it's not, you know, to get the one seed, you know who's going to be feeling great? Celtics fans and the Celtics, because that would have mean we have beaten the Bucks three times, we own the Sixers, and that's all that matters. Let's freaking go. Let's go. Oh, <laughs> Great positive ending to the podcast, guys. If anyone's still listening, I apologize. As as a podcast team, we're incapable of having a conversation about the Celtics that lasts for less than an hour, let alone 45 minutes. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. A reminder to please, please subscribe to the First of the Floor podcast feed. We'll be moving completely off the Celtics blog feed a week from now. Meanwhile, we'll we'll be back with another show at the end of the week. Jackson, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics.